Father, we're standing at the precipice of a new day, a new era, a new time. These prophets are saying for the last three years, there's been a, been a wait. There's, there's been a wait. But Lord, the waiting is over. And we are believing that the delay is over. And we are ready to step into our destiny. We're ready to step into the fullness of God. Those promises you gave us, Lord, three years ago. Lord, we're praying that, Lord, they would arise from the murky depths again. As the prophet's anointing hits the water, the axe handle, the axe head came from the murky depths and floated to the surface and was given back to the servant. Lord, let those promises, let God's purposes and plans, let people's destiny, Lord, be returned in this day, in this hour, in 2011. We declare in Jesus' name, the enemy is vanquished. God's taking off the constraints, the restrictions, the bondages, the chains. They are being released and your people shall arise and shine. Come on, people, let's lift our hands and declare God's resurrection power is in this house, in this house, in this house. Your power is available, God. Resurrect families, marriages, finances, health. God, resurrect this church to be a revival church. Release the authority, God. Release the authority. Release the authority. I just want to preempt something. Some people have not seen me like this before because I've been such a uh, Mr. Nice Guy for so long. But a lot of, a lot of the kingdoms, a lot of the kingdoms' ability to deliver, to save, to deliver, to vanquish, to release is based in the authority the authority of the believer, but the authority of the minister, the authority in the church. One day you got to draw a line in the sand and say, devil, I'm over you. Attacking my children, my finances, my health. I'm over you. Right there, the blood of Christ. Try it. And you just got to rise up and get your voice of authority. And let that kingdom be released. It's inside you. The kingdom is inside you. And I prophesy 2011, the kingdom of God is going to be released through some people. All the peoples of this house that want it, that that love God, subscribe to God, worship God, commune with God, adhere to God, walk in His Spirit, walk in His presence. You people are going to walk with new authority as an overcoming believer. And you're going to release people from bondage, from darkness, just like Luke said. The Spirit of the Lord, the Sovereign Lord is upon you. He has anointed you to preach good news to the poor, to release the oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And the Lord's favor is in this house. The Lord's favor is upon you and I to succeed, to do well, to accomplish that which we were born for. You were born for a reason. You were born for a season. 
Mordecai said to Esther, you were born to set the people free. You were born to set them free. Do it. Make the decision, Queen Esther. Church, arise. Arise in your authority and declare your family set free. Your street is set free. Your finances are set free. Your children are set free. Your school is set free. Jesus, we arise and we are shining. I refuse to stoop down. I refuse to bury my head. I am born for a number of days. I am born for this life. I'm born for 2011. I'm born to be a a nation shaker, a nation changer. I'm born to save souls. I'm born to release people from darkness. Those people you've been witnessing to even 30 years ago, they're going to come around this year. That seed that you sowed into your family members, this year we're going to see the fruit of that. We're going to see the fruit of that which you gave, even the miracle offerings years ago. We're going to see it this year. When you gave that $1,000 in that miracle offering to that building fund, to that, that ministry that came through on that day, God sees that and He shall not be mocked. He sees it and He shall not be mocked. In due season, in this season, you're going to reap a harvest. I pray it, I believe it, I thank God for it. 2011, the roar of the lion is coming back to the church. The authority of Christ is coming back into the pulpit. No more, Mr. Nice Guy. We declare with purpose and power that the church is God's holy institution in a community to make a change, to make a difference to change the, even the very atmosphere, to stem the tide of darkness, to push it back off our shores. And we declare the church is powerfully effective to do that in prayer. So God, in 2011, released people into their authority for the sake of the harvest, for the sake of the church, to be the church, we pray in Jesus' name. And the saints say, Amen. Can we have the first psalm? God bless you. This message is called Possessing Your Inheritance. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a hand. This is... Okay, here we go. Let's read this. This, this scripture is just coming at me all the time. I've been doing a lot of reading. We've gone away. We're in a caravan park up north. We're right near the beach. We've got our little $2,000 caravan. Thank God for those people who gave to that last year. That gave last year to the pastors to buy a little prayer hut that is parked now beside a great beach and uh and then i've got this other thing this igloo and i'm in that uh, you know like a typical fly screen thing they do lunch in on you know at the campground and that is my prayer tent although everyone can see me and um it doesn't matter i'm, I'm in there with my books i'm reading a lot and i'm um, downloading a lot it's only twenty dollars a night and so those people that even gave $20 to the pastors, we put that to our overnight stay at this caravan park. There's no power. We're getting by on batteries and me peddling. 
while Julie cooks the toast, the to- no. <laughs> and uh, big iguanas walking around, kangaroos and joeys, trying to rats eating our floor, trying to break in. But uh, thank you for those people who even just gave $20 because $20 represents one night for us at that place where we're finding refuge, we're rekindling our heart for God and it's not easy running a church. Can I be a bit honest with you because we're mostly visitors, I mean mostly our church and few visitors in the house. These guys are saying yes and amen to everything. They're saying yes and amen. The visitors, Tash... Your friends are saying yes and amen more than, than our church. Yes, we've got to give. Yes, yes, praise God. Got to give the type. Praise God. Yes, uh, I love that. So I can just be a little bit unbridled this morning. And I really feel that at the end of the last year, this, that 010, forget that. Let's turn our back on that. Whatever God did good, that was good. And whatever God didn't do and whatever we suffered and Let's just forget that. Let's press on. I've got some great scriptures about that. Possessing your inheritance is the first message I want to give you at the start of 2011. Okay, I've blown it. I'm not going to be able to speak that whole psalm. Tim, can I just have Psalm 16.6? I really wanted to start it with the whole Psalm 16. That's your homework, Psalm 16. This is the scripture. I'm going to crunch it. I'm praying that you read between the lines. A lot of you will be able to follow me. This is going to be great. Psalm 16.6. 16.5. Let's do that. 16.5. Psalm 16.5 and verse 6. Get your Bibles out. Get your pads and pens. You're going to have to write some scriptures down. I'm going to start. Let's see if I can do this in 20 minutes. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. Portion means inheritance. What's inheritance means? It's your birthright. It's your heritage. It's, it's your portion. It's what Jesus gave to us when he died on the cross, but it's what is due to you in the natural and what you should have prophetically in your life to do life well. That's your portion. Verse 6. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Who can say amen to that? The boundary lines have fallen for you in pleasant places. Jesus Christ not only came in this season, but he died on the cross and we have him as a savior. Who can say amen to that? The boundary lines as a believer, as a born again believer, have fallen absolutely amazingly well for us. We have, listen, you've got to shake yourself. We have a delightful inheritance. Through our family, the deposit of God, which is... Played one and yeah. Uh, Proverbs 13 verse 22 says this, and this is about us needing to claim our inheritance. Uh, Proverbs 13:22. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. As you can see, possessing our inheritance is about possessing it for our children. It's children. That's what that scripture is about. It's very important that we secure as much as we can. For our children's children, they're looking at us. They're banking on us to do extremely well, spiritually and physically. So what is inheritance? Simply this. Inheritance is possessing the portion that God has given you. This is another statement. God wants each one of us to possess our inheritance and our portion. But it will cost. It will cost. 
That's what the tithe message was about. If you really want to be in that number, if you really want God's covenant blessings on your life and be in His presence, if you really do want to come back to Him and say, God, I love you. I want to serve you, build your church, save souls. I just love you. That's going to cost you. If you try and save your life, if you deny God, deny God, the Bible says you will lose your life. You will become Mr. and Mrs. Nothing. But if you give God what's His, give Him due worship, and do His bidding and serve Him, you will become bigger and bigger. And people will be looking at you and go, oh my God, man, I went to school with that person. Look at them. They're so, so blessed. God would... God wants each one of us to possess our inheritance and our portion. But it will cost. God wants us to be successful by moving forward. That's the imperative I want to state here this morning. We need to move forward by prevailing over our enemies. You can tell this this authority that is in me. It's declaring something straight up at the start of this year. I'm very um, aware that this is the first Sunday of our year. And I'm declaring... with a declaration of spirit and heart, I am declaring a new day. God gives us new days, new seasons. That's why we have four seasons. New days, new year. I felt very spiritual. Julie felt very spiritual for New Year's Eve. We prayed all the way down from the coast, all the way down here. We didn't quite make it to New Year's Eve and I woke up with the fireworks going off. But we prayed and felt... We need to pray this year in because it's new beginnings. His mercies are new every morning. Who can believe that? His mercies, I feel like this is a new day. I feel like we're starting again. Prophetically speaking, this is what I want to say. We have a backdrop of change. There is change, change, change on the horizon. For 2011. Technology. Facebook mightn't even be the social megastar it is right now by the end of the year. I don't know. Things are changing so quick that all the technology people like Ben are just flipping out to go, my God, we can't hang our hook on anything. Things are changing. They're doubling. They're multiplying. Knowledge is abounding. It says that in Daniel. Chapter 12, it says, knowledge will abound in the last days. It's doubling, it's tripling the revelation of what God is saying, what God is doing, and how to be the church, and how to walk this life out. The world is changing so quickly. Change is now coming on the world so fast that the only thing we can count on is change. And I want to declare at the end of this sermon, we're going to have the communion too at the end of the sermon, at the end of the message, in 15 minutes. And I want to declare something of what I've heard for this year, for you people, for us. Do you want that? I'm going to save that till the end. But this is what I want to get through here to now. Are we respond to all the changes around us? How do we respond to all the changes around us? Thank you very much. Is that for me to go like that? Am I sweating, am I? Like T.D. Jakes. Oh, I always wanted to do that. <laughs> Praise God. How do we respond to all the changes around us? Do they overtake? Oh, I like that. I could get used to this. <laughs> Preach it, brother. Do they overtake us? Are we people being tossed to and fro with every change? No. 
Are we going to change? If Facebook collapses tomorrow, are we going to change and get lonely and stop being friends? No. Isaiah 33 verse 6 says, Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. Stability means firmness of position, resistance to disintegration. Not likely to fall, give way or overturn. Firm and steady. Who wants to be firm and steady? Who wants to be stable and strong? Wisdom and understanding is what you need. And even in the face of earth-shattering change, God says, fear not. Daniel 11.32 But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Who's with me this year for great exploits? We need to do some amazing things this year and we need your faith. Carry out great exploits. What does that mean, Pastor Phil? That we take the available resources that we have and see it multiplied and do what God has called us to do. To take the loaves and the fishes, see those things multiplied, to take the Tuesday night prayer, the six people, whoever we get there on that night, I think we're going to see a... Man, you know why we close the Tuesday night prayer down? We reduce to three people. Frank, the leader, and the dog he brought that night. Dog was waiting out there. Just going, wow, what's all this about? Lights are on. Was there supposed to be something happening here tonight? Yeah, there was supposed to be a Holy Spirit showdown of the fire of God being called down and prayer being cast out. and Three people. So we said, close it down. It's a non-event. Then the devil said, what about your giving? That's pretty well a non-event too. Why don't you close the church down? No! We've got to carry on. And we've got to rouse you people up to really give and pray like never before. I really believe this for 2011. Everyone has a future and a hope who believes that. Put your hand up if you do. If you've got a future and a hope, if you've got a future and if you've got great hope, this is what I want to say to you. 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. C3 Church has a passion to put you on the road to possess your inheritance. I want to see people, we have a passion for it, Julie. We want to put you on the road whereby you are favored by God, that you have supernatural providence, intervention around your life where doors are opening, you're meeting the right people, Things are landing in your lap. Money's coming. Houses. Did you guys get a house? Did you really buy a house? Or was that a... Because you put a lot of stuff on Facebook. I wasn't... I didn't respond to it straight up. But you really bought a house? Is it okay to say where it is? Marty. Praise God. But these guys, they love God. They love God. They're the, they're the best givers in the house. Hazel tells me. These new guys, when they first turned up. Hazel tells me. Because she tells me who the extravagant givers are. So do you know these guys, um, Luke and Tash, Eagle, do you know these guys? I said, they're, they're pretty generous givers. They're only young people. I said, yeah, well, they come from church, six years pioneering a church in Newcastle. I'm sure they would have got the drift by then. Oh, no, they're, they're, they're steady, man, every week. They just give. And bang, a house. Then kids. Bible says if you... <laughs> Bible says if you... <laughs> oh, he's, he's pushing back on that one. 
Bible says if you build God's house, He's going to build yours, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Psalm 139, verse 17. I'm moving through it very quickly, but I have to. How precious to me are your thoughts. Okay, God, what if someone's sitting here? What if someone's sitting here and say, look, I'm an average Joe Blow. Look, there's not much to my life. Didn't do real well at school, you know. Katie's a school teacher and, I mean... Katie, gee, I thought you were Katie there, my eyes, Julie. I need now long vision glasses. I'm looking at Vicky and saying, Katie, sorry, mate, I didn't want, didn't want to. Jeff, it's okay, Jeff, it's okay mate. She, he wasn't sitting next to Katie or what? No, he wasn't. What about, what about this? You might be sitting in the back row. You might be sitting in the back row of life. But this is what God says about you. He said it about David, but this is what God says about you. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand when I awake. I am still with you. God's thoughts towards you, God's plans towards you, God's heart towards you is awesome. Forget $5 million worth of fireworks, man. That is nothing compared to one thought of God towards you, my friend. Do you know what I'm saying? He loves you. No, I'm, I just come and just, just listen. And... No. You are unique. You're born. You're living. You're, purpo- you're held together by Him. You're purposed in Him. You're held, the Bible says you're held together by Him for a reason. There's a destiny in you. Possess your inheritance. Possess the reason you were born for. Possess it right now. 2011. Stand up into it. Possess it. You're not called to be a shag on a rock. Is that all right to say? Felt awkward about saying that. Let's position ourselves in God's loving, redemptive plans for you. I said God's loving, redemptive plans towards you is that He would bless you immensely, profusely, abundantly, more than what you can imagine or even entertain in your finite mind, you are immensely blessed. 91 years of age, probably 92 by now, I'm not sure. 91. Who, God, would you give me 91 years? Man, I would. Who wants to live to 91? Put up your hand. Come on. How precious the thoughts, O oh God. Psalm 1.3 says, The godly person, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. 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 Let's look at the word success, because that's what I want to declare over the church this morning. Success is doing what God has called you to do, fulfilling it, pulling it off with the resources, the supernatural resources that God wants to avail to you, success. Who wants success? Who wants to have a successful family? Successful children. Successful finances. Successful health. Successful holidays. I heard some people went on the holidays and they just fought the whole time. That's not a good holiday. He wants you to have successful holidays. He wants you to have successful spiritual life. He wants you to come to a prayer meeting on Tuesday night and be able to pray and not come to a Tuesday night prayer meeting and walk out and go, well, that didn't work. 
Forget it. No, he wants you to be successful. Let's put God first. That's number one. Okay, we're down the home straight. Let's go to verse uh, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 625, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. I'm talking about some people that are getting a little bit strung out here about maybe the economy, about the fashions, and about the stuff of life, things, you, you know, even your house. Some people have literally bowed their knee to their house and they worship their house through their rose garden out the front. It's like that guy looking at his colour bond roof. His wife comes out. What's the matter? Just, just get caught up in the spirit. Get caught up. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your colorbond roof. I mean, your life. What you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear, is not life more important. Life means spiritual life. Is not your purpose born again, spirit filled, destined with hope and a future? Is not that life the life more worth to live than the clothes, the brands, the food, your house, your car? Come on, guys, can I get an amen out of this place this morning? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Yes, we can have them. God's not calling you to live on Chapman Hill in a hut. You know what I mean? He wants you to have a nice house, rose garden and stuff. 33, here it is. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things, all these things, all these great things that you like and desire will be given to you. Therefore, 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love what this passage says. It says, if you're enamored with this world, enamored with money, you won't be, you won't be able to grow up into the purposes of God that he has for you. If you bow your knee to the spirit of mammon and the spirit of materialism or the spirit of the age, it's all in there. If you bow your knee to that, you will not be able to stand up into the purposes and arise and shine in the purposes and the glory of God that he has for you in Jesus' name. You've got to deal with that thing right up, guys. Young guys, deal with it. Deal with it right now. Give him your tithe. See, it starts with the tithe again. Give him the tithe. Establish that in your heart. Give him due worship. Turn up to church. Turn up to church. Don't say it's a nice day. Might hook the boat up. No, turn up the church, guys. Turn up to the house. Okay, that was number one. Quickly. Number two. Number two. Sorry, I'm going to crunch it now. Follow covenant agreement. He's our father. We're his children. He is our shepherd. We're the sheep of his pasture. He is the head. We're the body. He is the master. We're the servants. 
And He wants us to possess our inheritance. Jesus is not a, He's not a means to our ends. He's not our servant. We're His servants. You know what I mean? Some people are into this thing because, God, what can I get out of this? Eternal life? Yeah, what's more? No, no. Let's get that understood. Following covenant agreement. If we break the covenant through disobedience, rebellion, unbelief, sluggishness, forgetting God or forgetting God or hidden sin, we bring peril to our own. And I love the story about Brian Houston when he had to raise $32 million for Hillsong. Where's our Hillsong guy? Where are you, buddy? Good stuff. Give us a bigger wave. Yeah, God bless you. He sits in a 32 million facility down at Castle Hill there, just a little fledgling church called Hillsong. You know, 10, 20,000 people. Brian sat before that one was built, but the bigger one, not the smaller one, before that one, the 3,500 seat auditorium, $32 million he had to raise. And this is what I'm talking about. If you want to be successful, number two is follow covenant agreement. He sat with his board and he said to his board this. He said, if anyone's got any sin, if anyone's got any stuff, please leave right now because we are needing a miracle of $32 million in Australia. To raise $32 million in Australia to build a church, isn't that a miraculous thing? And guess what? Jerry Harvey one morning saw Brian on TV and said, who's this guy? Said to his financial advisors, check this guy out. He seems to be seems to be quite genuine. I don't know anything about church or God, or, but they seem to be doing stuff in the community. Would you check them out? Financial, uh, financial advisors come back and say, Brian, they're all good. They're, their financials are all public and they're all good. What do you want to do? Give them $3 million. Jerry Harvey, Harvey Norman. Yes, please, Lord. Number three. Seek strategy from God to reach the goal. Philippians 3.13 to 14. I wonder if I could have that one. I need to read it from up there. Paul. Seek strategy from God. I don't know. Man, come on. Seeking Him. We gain pieces of the strategy along the way. As we're obedient to follow that strategy, we will one day stand before Him with confidence, knowing we reached the end of the race with success. Thank you, Tim. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Last year, I was felt, well, this is me. I've done my best. I've done my best in this church. I've preached my best sermons. I've saved souls. Maybe, I've, I've, I've come, maybe I should hand it over to the next generation and let them continue to build the church. You know, I felt like almost giving up, Gail. I don't know what it is, you know. We are not, preachers are not immune to, to discouragement. You know, and you should be praying for us because the enemy, soon as we concede one inch of discouragement, he seemingly goes, gotcha, you're discouraged, aren't you? Hey boys, he's discouraged, let's, let's let him have it, come on. And you get all these, woe, woe is me and hardly done by, oh, come in, hardly done by, cup of sugar, woe is me, uh, well, you know, I mean a cup of tea, uh, two sugars, yeah, come on in, we're having a pity party here. Before you know it, you're drinking Darjeeling, you know, and with, with Mrs. Nesbitt or whatever. And What does it say? Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I feel like, guys, we need to strain towards what is ahead for the sake of your lives, for the sake of this church. Are you happy with what you've got? No, there's more, Gail. There's more. 
4, last one, 4, live in Christ. Philippians 1.20 I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. I don't want to be ashamed, Lord. And we'll have sufficient courage. What did the Bible say in, in Joshua? To Joshua. What did it say? Joshua, be strong and courageous. You're going to have to make some decisions. You're going to have to give your tithe. You're going to have to ch- turn up for Tuesday prayer. You're going to have to turn up the church. You're going to have to read your Bible. You're going to have to get rid of some sin and besetting sin and iniquities. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to walk this out in the promised land. You're going to have to overcome some giants. You're going to have to take back what belongs to your people. Are you willing to do that? Oh, by the way, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. Very strong. What, nice Christianity won't do? No. Mr. Nice Guy is over. Bring the men back in the house. Shababa kabarindende. See, it's the authority that God's releasing in 2011. Men, God's releasing authority to you to be the man in your home. To take charge over the, the remote. We're not watching that. What do you mean? We always know we're poosh. We're having a prayer meeting. It's gotten into him. We're going to church in the car. No, I don't want to go to church. No, we're going to church in the car. Right, we're going to church. Dads are rising. Men are arising in the house. Men are going to say, we're going to give our tithe. The wife says, I don't think we can do that. I've got to buy shoes. I've got to buy milk. I've got to buy stuff for the family. I, I don't, we're going to pay our tithe. See, men do that. Oh, are we going to pay our tithe? No, we can't do that. Of course we can. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll finish the washing up then. We're going to pay our tithe because my God is sufficient. Live in Christ, Philippians 1.20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How to do that? Take possession of a Bible. Read it. Desire it. Live in it. Find a Bible. Purchase one. Kurong. Word. Buy one from... Uh, I mean, purchase one from... I mean, borrow one from Gail. <laughs> She's got six of them. In her. Get a Bible, guys. Find some way back to Christ. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth of life. Why am I? Okay, I'm done. I can see that. People are going to hold me to my word. Jehovah's Witnesses came. And I'm going to do the prophetic thing. Okay, I've got four minutes. Can you give me four minutes? Jehovah's Witnesses came to my house. They knock on my door. This is three weeks before Christmas. Even two weeks. They knock on my door. I open the door. Two beautiful ladies. I love people. I don't care if you're Jehovah, Mormon, whatever. You're just going to get the love of God from me. You know what I mean? Yes, what do you got? I would just, just, yeah, yeah. So you're Jehovah Witness. Yeah, okay. And um, they would say something like this. So this went on for about half an hour. Okay, so, so get, your, get your pens and, and pads ready, all right? 
So when I say I'm a, Bene- a, Pentecostal, a Pentecostal preacher and uh, we serve Jesus, love Jesus, uh, they, don't, they, they, they don't buy into that. They don't believe in the lordship of Jesus. They believe he's a prophet, talking about the Jehovah's, all right? They might recite something like this. The Bible says that only God is our Savior. Hosea 13 verse 4 says, But I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior but me. See, there's, got, there's no Jesus in there. Then they might say something in Isaiah 43, verse 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. Still no Jesus. 1 Isaiah 45, verse 21. Declare what is to be presented. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord, and there is no God apart from me? A righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. But hang on, guys. Let's have a look at the New Testament. How can it be that the Bible repeatedly says that Jesus Christ is our Savior? Luke 2.11 Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Philippians 3.20 But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior, a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus 3.6, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 2 Peter 1.1, Simon Peter, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God and and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received faith as precious as ours. 2 Peter 2.20, If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it, overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So, Jesus Christ. The fourth, the fourth point of how to be successful, be in Jesus. Be in Jesus. Right. Let's, let's, let's do this. Um, the prophetic words I heard was that God is going to unlock some people in this year. He's going to unlock you into your purposes and plans for Him. Change is in you. Change is in the air. Change to prepare you for the last greatest harvest on the planet of one billion souls to be saved. Change is imminent. Change is in you. Change this year to unlock you to become who you truly need to be in Jesus' name. Does that sound good? Let's all stand. God bless you. Authority of the lion. Get ready. Get ready. Oh, yeah, communion. Can we take the communion around, please? Communion, please. Get ready. God's about to unlock you. Get ready. In 2011, God is going to unlock you. God is going to unlock you. God is going to unlock you. Yes, communion, please. Pass it around. God bless you. Father, we stand here humbly this morning at the start of a a new year that you've given us, Lord, to be living in.
thank you for the days that we have in front of us. Thank you for the days that we have as your people of God. Lord, we want to commune with you as we take commun communion. We want to commune with you. Would you commune with us, Lord? Would you encourage us despite great change? Would you bring us to a stable, strong place in God? Would you bring us to a place stable in you, strong in you? These are the days. These are the days of great change. Isaiah 22, great change. But Lord, you are not delaying. You are not delaying your answers, your promises any longer. Dear God in heaven, as we remember the reward of your suffering, as we remember your suffering,